Welcome, folks, to another edition of Opinions All Day. And this week, I will be covering why the Lakers need another star player. And yes, they do. It's not Austin Reeves. I don't want to hear about Austin Reeves. We'll get into that. The Clippers. The James Harden era is off to a horrible start. They haven't won a game yet. Who's surprised? Told you so. Pretty obvious that was going to happen. And then on Friday night, they got smacked by the Dallas Mavericks. Big time beatdown. We'll get into the Clippers. And then, of course, this whole entire... Jim Harbaugh and Michigan football cheating fiasco. We'll get into the details. We'll talk about it. I'll give my thoughts. But first up on the show today, it's Sunday. We know what day it is. It's time for Chargers football. And today we face the Detroit Lions, who are going to be a huge, huge test. This is a big game today because we're playing a team that is very, very good. They are dangerous. They are strong. They are physical. They will get after you. They will get after the quarterback. They will score points. They have a great head coach. They have mental toughness out the wazoo. They are what I want the Chargers to be where we lack, we're not consistent. So today's a big game. This is a big game and a great measuring stick to see if this team has improved. Has this team actually improved? For example, has the defense actually gotten better? Or is it because of the teams, the quarterbacks, we have faced the last couple of weeks? Uh, Let's look at it. Bears in week eight. They had a third-string quarterback who wasn't very good. I mean, he's a no one. Had a great story, but, you know, doesn't have any future in the NFL. We crushed the Bears 30-13. to did what we were supposed to do, beat him down, threw him out the building, made plays on defense. The defense was amazing that game. Made plays through and through all night long. The game was pretty much over in the, what, early second quarter, mid-second quarter. I mean, we kind of knew. Like, we kind of knew this third-string quarterback off the streets wasn't going to do much, or he shouldn't. If your team's a real football team that plays team football or has any type of chemistry, has any type of just heart, has any type of desire to win, you throw it on these teams that aren't very good and have quarterbacks that aren't very good either. So we, we did what we were supposed to do in that game, which was good to see, and then we came out Monday Night Football, against a slightly better team 
a slightly better team because the Bears, you know, on defense, that's probably the strongest side of their team. Like, just right now. Because, I mean, they do a decent job. But they aren't very good. Like, their defense overall is not great. Their offense sucks. It's not very good. It's horrendous. And they have, you know, question marks all over the place. The Jets are outstanding on defense. Like, they, and and I've said it a few times heading into the game, that the Jets are going to be the best defense we have faced all season. Like, they are the best defense we have faced up until this point, and they will be the best defense we will face, that we will face this entire season, because that's how great they are. Like, they are really, really good. That defense makes every quarterback look average. Every quarterback, every quarterback that has played the Jets this season has looked average. They they are great at on, on all levels. They can crush the quarterback on a four-man rush, three-man rush, and it's hard to and it's just tough because then their secondary linebackers are very, very good. Like they're out like every each level of the defense is outstanding for the Jets. They made Patrick Mahomes look average. They make Jalen Hurts look average. Like they beat Jalen Hurts. They beat Jalen Hurts. They beat who everyone considers an a uh, you know MVP candidate. They beat a Super Bowl contending team. They almost you know they they kept it close with the, with the Chiefs. You know everyone's favorite team. Like they they keep these games close because that defense is loaded and they are very very good. So this idea that you know the offense was going to put up points was far fetched. Now I predicted twenty four ten. I thought we would pull away late in the game, and that's sort of what happened because of the limitations Zach Wilson has. Like Zach Wilson is a pathetic quarterback. So when you know your offense is going up against a great defense like the Jets, the best defense in football, the best defense in football, you have to make sure that your defense is ready to go and and can stop a pathetic offense like the Jets who don't have a poor offensive line and don't have a quarterback because right now Zach Wilson is not an NFL quarterback. He's not an NFL quarterback. I don't care what anyone says. I'm not trying to be mean, but this guy has had a lot of chances so far. He's had so many opportunities to, you know, prove that, you know, maybe he has a chance to have a career. Maybe he can live up to that, you know, top five pick. He just hasn't done it. He just looks like, I I mean, I don't watch, I don't follow the Jets like that, obviously. I'm a Chargers fan, but when I was watching him Monday... I was flabbergasted just how just he looked horrified back there. I mean, I, I get it that the Jets offense, line is not great. And it's not, I mean, our defense sacked Zach Wilson eight times. If I would have told you we would have sacked any team eight times, you would have thought I was drunk. Like that wasn't going to happen. No way. 
That's how bad the Jets' offensive line is, and it was horrible. So this idea that you know the Jets were some Super Bowl contender or or, or we're going to have some you know explosive offense with with uh, with Aaron Rodgers, dude, he would have been uh, like he he would have gotten crushed. I mean, like like that offensive line is bad, but Zach Wilson looked he he looked terrible. Even when he had chances to throw the football, he didn't know what to do. He didn't know he had no idea what to do. No idea. Like he was he's horrendous. Like and some of the sacks were on him because he was just holding on to the damn football. Like that quarterback situation for the Jets is ooh. Like right now, it's not good. And it's a shame for them because that defense is really, really good. It's really good. So is the defense improving for the Chargers? Is the defense improving? Yes and no. We're getting better on the basics. We're getting better in tackling. Which we have lacked. Just basic tackling, especially in the secondary. And run defense in, in its holistic you know, view. Holistically, the run defense has been pretty good the whole year. Like the tackling-wise, it's you know, not been bad. I mean, it's had its moments. It's not going to be perfect. But the secondary tackling has been horrendous the whole year. It's gotten better. Gilman was really, really good on the defense. Like, he's gotten better throughout the year. Like, to start off the year, I mean, you know, he, he's had its moments. Like, last season, Gilman saved the game at Cleveland last year against the Browns. Saved it after our stupid head coach tried to give it away to the Browns. And Gilman on defense gets the game-saving pick. Boom. Saved that game. Saved our bacon. And then comes in, you know, plays decent the rest of the year. Has some, you know, moments. But then comes in this season against the Dolphins. He was getting shredded all day. Against the Titans, he wasn't very good either. Vikings, he was horrible. Raiders, eh, better. The Cowboys wasn't very good. Chiefs, no, everyone was bad that game. Bears, better. Jets, better. So is it just the opponents we're facing, or are they actually getting better? Better, because I just named a whole bunch of games that we were bad in. Like we've only been ga- good two games on defense, like the secondary. We've only been good two games. We've got to, you know, continue to carry this positive vibes that we have right now on defense and bring that into a game against a really good offense and a really good football team that's not Zach Wilson, that's not some random third-string guy that works at Winn-Dixie. We are, you know, we need to come out today with that mentality, with the mentality of dominating on defense, tackling on defense, being aggressive, going to the football, not running away from it, 
not you know lazy arm tackles. I don't want to see that. I want to see up in your face and not letting guys dominate you, not letting the not letting the offense tell you what's going to happen throughout the game. Because too often we have let the opposing offenses come in here and let the game be under their control. Like we don't take control of the game. Very, very rarely do we come into the game and say, we're going to do this today. We're not going to let you do this. Instead, we just sit back and, you know, have a margarita and we just let the visitors do whatever they want. We let the opponents do whatever they want with us. Like we get dragged through the mud the entire game and then have to tell the offense to go save our bacon. Happens way too often. It happened against the Dolphins. The offense was, you know, spectacular that game. Justin Herbert was spectacular. The running game was spectacular. Everything we wanted. The secondary came out and was annihilated, was shredded all afternoon. You can't have that. You can't have that. You can't. You can't score 34 points and then lose the game. You can't. And and, and then lose it to a turnover who throws balloon balls. Like you lost to a quarterback who throws balloon balls. And then the fastest man in Tyree Kill, you leave him wide open. You, know, you, you leave the, the fastest man in football, probably the fastest man in this country. I mean, he's getting there. You leave him wide open. You don't address your game plan. You, you actually, instead of trying to cover him, you make him. You leave him even more wide open because he had 215 freaking yards, 215 yards by one guy. That's pathetic. So that's a bad mark to start off the season. They, they I mean, like we bombed the first test of the first test of the year. We bombed the hell out of it, and Dolphins go on the win. I mean, you know, and then, of course, Justin Herbert gets blamed for that loss. Like, you know, people, you know, people think he's some like like if you were to turn on any name any national sports show, name any of them, name any commentator, we all know who they are. They they make it seem like the Chargers' offense under Justin Herbert's control is horrendous every week. They only bring it up when he has a bad game. He put he played very well, good enough to win the game. Very well, good enough to win the game. The defense spits the bit. In game number one against the Dolphins, we come out against the Titans, against an anemic offense under Ryan Tannehill before Will Levis took over. And what happened? The Titans only had 95 yards rushing. Because heading in, you would have thought, well, damn, based on the past couple of years, if the Titans were smart, they would come in and just hammer Derrick Henry and just run us out of the building. And that would have happened in past years. But oh no, Ryan Tannehill said, no, we're going bombs the way. We're going to throw some deep balls and we're going to do this. And they... They got us. They got us good. We couldn't deal with it. The whole game. Deep, you know, deep passes to some random receiver of the Titans. 
and none of our guys had anything, had nothing to do with it. They wanted nothing to do with it. They wanted none of that smoke. They got smoked all game in the least convenient times. When you needed a stop, when you just need one freaking stop, they couldn't get it. So that's two games in a row. The defense has been the the, the, the reason we lost the game. I mean, just from big picture, I mean, there's issues with the offense. The offensive line's been horrendous, but we'll get to that in a second. The, the defense, two games where you have a chance to win the game, and, and you fail... Fail, 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 fail big time. You fail in every key moment against the Titans. It's not good. And then add Vikings. Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert has the, I think, top five best game of the year. Now, if you turn on TV, you're, you won't hear any of that. But that was a really good game. Like, like that is... That was a great Justin Herbert game. 405 yards. He was spectacular. He was superstar. Top five quarterback in the league. When he had time to throw the football. And I know it was against the Vikings. Whose defense is not very good. But geez. See what happens when he has time to throw the football. Imagine if he had an offensive line. But he did some work on that Vikings defense. I mean we came in. He had a great game. Defense hung on because Justin Jefferson, that whew, that guy's a magnet. Like the football, when it sees Justin Jefferson, it smiles at him because I mean it loves Justin Jefferson. Uh, like Justin Jefferson just gets the football, 150 yards, and he on seven catches, it was easy for him. But then we got lucky on defense because the Vikings, I mean, I, I come out of here every week and talk about Brandon Staley and his incompetence and our just ridiculous game management, just horrendous game management. The Vikings game management is worse than ours. Like I, like the Vikings were, you know, after we won four and fourth down with the infamous Joshua Kelly fullback dive, Failed. Vikings get the ball inside the 30-yard line. Inside the red zone. They get the football because, you know, we're just so smart. The Vikings complete a pass inbounds and the clock's running and the Vikings don't know what's going on. And like 19 seconds, like uh, I think it was, flings off the clock and then they get one snap and then the game's over. We get lucky, okay? Like like the defense in, in the game, the secondary was still bad. I mean, Kirk Cousins still lit us up. I mean, what do you have? Like, he had over 350 yards. He still lit the defense up. Defense was not great. Got lucky at the end. If the Vikings were not stupid and didn't shoot themselves in the foot and weren't just incompetent, they should have won that game. Like, they were on their way to winning that game, and then they probably deserved it because we shot ourselves in the foot and we gave it. We gave the Vikings the game because of a Brandon Staley special. I mean, served right up. I mean, Brandon Staley cooked that one up right, right for the Vikings. Had it there on a silver platter, and they and they give it away. So you got the Vikings game, and then you got the Raiders game, which was a weird game uh, because the Raiders come into the game 
No Derek Carr. The last time we saw the Raiders, they had Derek Carr at quarterback. And this time they had a third string quarterback and Aiden O'Connell, who is like, what? Who? Aiden O'Connell? And, and because Jimmy Garoppolo, they signed Jimmy Garoppolo. We all know that. But then he's out with a uh, concussion. So we get Aiden O'Connell. And then, all right, well, let's see what we get. And he played pretty well. Uh, he had 236 yards. He did throw. He did fumble the ball a lot. I mean, he had two turnovers. But he still had... He threw some pretty good balls. I mean, uh, Devontae Adams started to wake up in the third and fourth quarter after he was silent um, in the first half. But the Raiders were starting to come back in that game. I mean, it was... We were up 24-7, and the defense started to fall asleep again, and the whole, well, the whole, whole team, to be fair, the whole team fell asleep in that game because the offense is one of the neutral. Like, it had shut off. Like, I don't know. Like, we it's like turning the car off while you're driving. And then the defense secondary started to fall apart. Um, I think possibly the J.C. Jackson situation probably contributed to that because that's what, because the Raiders game. Because remember, J.C. Jackson was benched for the Vikings game he did not play, and then he was technically benched in the Raiders game but when Michael Davis got banged up or had to sit out for a second JC Jackson refused to go into the game he got into it with Derek Ansley they got in got heated and so maybe that ruined the chemistry the vibe on the sideline probably did because we just looked like garbage in the second half like we came out and looked like crap like, I thought we were about to crap this game away because we looked horrendous in the second half of that game. Justin Herbert looked horrendous. The team looked horrendous. The defense was garbage. Like, we almost blew that game 24-17, but we hung on because the Raiders made one more mistake. Then we got the bye week. J.C. Jackson's shipped out of town. Then the Cowboys come rolling in the town. Dak Prescott, Jerry Jones, the Cowboys, the ESPN comes along with them. You know, the circus is in town, right? Here come the Cowboys. Here come here comes America's team that we're that we're told. Uh but here come the Cowboys, and you know, Dak's average at best on a good day. And the defense just they you know. The, the complaint from the Cowboys was C.D. Lamb was, you know, underperforming. He hadn't had a good start to the season, kind of quiet. Well, guess what? You're playing the Chargers. You're playing the worst set, literally, for those that don't remember, still the worst. The worst. We're talking the worst secondary in the league. Horrible. Nothing is good about the secondary. They come into the game, the Cowboys, C.D. Lamb, quiet start, 171 freaking yards. We let C.D. Lamb wake up. We didn't give up any touchdowns to him specifically, but we let him get gain his confidence. We let Dak Prescott, you know, he had a pretty quiet, great game. We didn't sack him at all. He had perfect time. He, I mean, he had, he had time. Like Dak Prescott had time to do whatever he wanted. 
Like it was easy. Like he had opportunities to run for a first down. He had you know just easy quick ten yards, or he could throw it wide open to C.D. Lamb or like pick it, pick the play. The issue is they could have scored more points if Mike McCarthy was an ultra conservative. Like if if, if he wasn't a conservative in his play calling, they could have scored more. <laughs> So that was the Cowboys' fault, like like because fault, like the Cowboys did that to themselves. Like they they could have scored more than twenty, they tried. Because this secondary wasn't stopping anything. They were not. And then next week at Chiefs, that game was kind of a lost cause. Uh, I mean, it was disappointing. I mean, I mean, just overall, I mean, the, the, this game sucked because the offense actually played pretty well the offensive line played well had gave Justin Herbert time Justin Herbert had time offense scored right close game and the defense was horrendous in the first half they got shredded Travis Kelsey had over 100 yards Mahomes throws for 424 yards horrendous terrible second half sure they played better but the the game was sort of out of doubt for the Chiefs because the offensive line in the second half came out and played like like that we changed sides. When you, 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 the recipe is not usually gonna result in success when your O line is bad and then your defense is bad. Also, so the Chiefs Chiefs game was horrible. Bears and Jets. What's what's the common the common factor? Tor- terrible, terrible quarterbacks. Two guys, Zach Wilson and whoever the Bears guy is, two guys that shouldn't be starting in the NFL. Right? I think we can agree now that Zach Wilson should not be a starting quarterback in the NFL. That that like that is that's over. That's over. Same with the Bears quarterback. I don't want to hear. I, I don't want to hear it. And then we beat the Raiders quarterback, who's a backup, third string quarterback. And then we beat the Vikings, who have Kirk Cousins, but have one of the worst defenses in the league. So, are have we improved on defense as a team? Can we honestly sit here? And say, yes, we're better. If we were to replay the games we've lost, the result would be different. I don't think so. I don't think it would be completely different. I don't think we've improved that much. I think we're we're beating I think we're just an average football team right now. Because we're 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 doing what we should be doing to bad teams. If we're half like if we're decent, if we're a half decent team. We're doing what we're doing. Like, we are doing what we are supposed to be doing, which is beating these teams down. Beating these bad quarterbacks down. Dominating. If we were a serious team, we'd be, be like, to a turnover, it's probably the worst quarterback that's beaten us. You got to beat him. You got to beat Tua. You got to, well, Ryan Tannehill too. You got to beat him. Like, the first two, you should have beaten. So, I think we're an average football team. Like, the, like we should have beaten the Dolphins. We should have beaten the Titans. 
We haven't done that. We have not been consistent enough on defense. So I can't sit here and say, from a defensive standpoint, that they've gotten better. They haven't earned that. Because they've looked horrendous the whole year. You, like, you don't just, you, like, you don't just go the whole first six weeks. You don't just go the first seven weeks of the season. Look like straight garbage. Look pathetic. And then automatically look good for two games. Look nice and good. And then automatically get back in my good graces. That's not how it works. And... The reason why I'm talking about this is because folks this week, as I've consumed information, as I've observed the landscape of ideas, there's folks, Chargers fans, that are getting a little too high on themselves, getting a little too drunk on on the success we've had. Let's pump the brakes. Let's look how the defense operates today. How they come out, do they come out inspired or do they come out in fat cat syndrome and sort of, you know, well, we we look good the last two weeks. We've played well. And then they come in and they crap the bed against the, the Lions. Because if you come out with fat cat syndrome against the Lions, this team is dangerous. The Lions are a dangerous football team. They will, um, trust me on this, they will get after you. They will get at, they don't have the, the, they will get after you. They don't have the, the Jets defense by any stretch because the Jets are special defense. They have the best defense in the NFL. The Lions have a much better offense. This offense will score some touchdowns. I mean, I, I understand Jared Goff hasn't looked as good this season compared to last year when he was going off, had a career year, like the new Jared Goff. But if you come in as a defense and just trick yourself into believing that you're the twenty, uh, the 2000 Ravens or the 1984 Bears or whatever, Vikings, I don't know, whatever, the, the purple people eaters, some... The great steel curtain, or you know, whatever the Steelers. You're not that. Not even close. Don't try to trick yourself. Like you, you're tripping if you believe we all like all of a sudden we're some great defense. So let's make sure we don't get into that mode of thinking. I understand the the Lions had a bad game a couple couple of weeks ago against the Ravens. Scored what six points? Got blown out. We're not. We, we can't compare ourselves to the other teams right now. We can't be doing that. We need to worry about who we're playing today. We need to worry about who we're playing every week. We need to com- compare ourselves to the team we're playing. That's what we have to do. And if this team's serious, we come out today on defense. From a defensive standpoint, we come out and we come out and we sh- play play at the same energy we've been playing with. Have some passion. Get at. I mean, now, granted, this is the Lions have a great offensive line. They have probably the the best offensive line in football. Most would say, 
most experts would say, and you know the the numbers back it up. But if the defense has actually improved, you come out with, with the same mentality, which is aggressiveness, concentrating, consistency, playmaking, alertness, everything that matters and having a great defense, you continue what what that. Like whatever you've been doing, you continue it. You don't just stop it and 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 then just sit back and, you know, do what you've been doing in the previous games. You can't do that. Like you can't come into these big games and just say, "Yep, yeah, we're good." No, you can't do that. That's the problem. So today is a big test. Today is a test, another test for this team to to see, okay, did you just play crappy crappy offenses or have you improved? Now, even if we win the game, doesn't mean the defense improves. Because if we win the game 39-34, the defense play like garbage still. We're talking about the defense. The defense has got to be better. The defense needs to come out and have the mentality of we're going to win. That we're going to make winning plays every single drive. That's what you got to do. That's what we want to see as a fan base. The fan base wants to see it. This defense talks about it. This coaching staff talks about it. Everyone talks about this defense and the talent they have. We know all the names. Derwin James, Khalil Mack, Tooley, who we just drafted, Joey Boza. They got to show up every week. We got to be able to trust those guys to show up and get after the quarterback. Joey Boza, Khalil Mack, Tooley had great games last week. Joey Boza had, you know, a good game. I'll give him credit. He's had a pretty a better season than, than expected. You got to do it every week. Because more times than not, Joey Boza is nowhere to be found. He's just continuously frustrating me. So today is a great opportunity against a good offensive line. The, the best offensive line in football. Probably the best offensive line that we're going to face all year. Today's a great opportunity for, for Khalil Mack. I mean, we saw what you did against the Raiders. Against a crappy offensive line. You had six sacks. Come out today against the Lions and do that. Come out today and do that. Put that performance on today against the Lions. Against the best offensive line in football. I'm not saying I, I, I'm not saying you got to get six sacks. I'm just saying you got to make an impact in the game. You got to make an impact. Tooley make an impact in the game. Joey Boza make an impact in the game. Let them everyone on defense let let the Lions know who you are. That's what you got to do. You got to let the offense know who you are. You got to make them fear. Coming out on the field. You got to make that Lions off. You got to make Jared Goff. Scared.
scare himself to death. You need to make him sit back and not want to play football. You don't want him to have any confidence. You want him to shrink and turn back into Jared Goff, who was horrendous of the Rams, you know, average at best. That That's what Jared Goff is, realistically. I mean, he's been better, don't get me wrong. But Jared Goff is Jared Goff at the end of the day. When you have guys like Joey Boza, Cleo Mack, and Thule, who have shown flashes of superstar super, superstar play, you got to take advantage of that. You got to take advantage of that. You got to use that against teams that actually matter, not against the teams like the Bears, Jets, Raiders, who probably won't make the playoffs. That that we don't consider playoff teams. Like, no one's thinking about the freaking Bears. No one's thinking about the Jets. Realistically, from a, like, if, if, unless you're the media, unless you're BSPN, you're not thinking about anything about the Jets. You're not thinking about anything about the Raiders. I mean, they'll turn that into a story. You're worried about the good teams. If you make some noise today and you come out and you shut down, the, that Lions offense that is explosive and they got St. Brown, that wide receiver, if you limit him, if you get on them, if you get on Gibbs, the running back, if you get after this team and you win the game and you get five sacks as a team and you make Jared Goff run around and turn the ball over, I mean, this season he has five picks. I mean, that's middle of the road, but I mean, it's not. that's, that's a pretty good amount. He's turnover prone. I mean, if you get after him, if you get after Jaragoff, if you make him hesitate, you can make him unravel. Because now, here's the issue. If you go into the game and, and you let it just be a perfect Sunday afternoon for Jaragoff, if you go out there and let him have a picnic, if you let him have a chance to do whatever he wishes, you know then you will be in for a long day because if he plays a scripted football game, because that's how Jared Goff wins. When Jared Goff looks great, the game is, the offense is scripted. The offense is it's scripted. He comes out and he follows the game plan, doesn't make mistakes, has plenty of time to throw the football. Boom, they will win. Because then... You let that track team of receivers get yak yards over here, over there, up there, down there. I mean, they have a big game. You can't stop them. Because the Lions, if they get going on offense, they will blow you out of the building. Like, they will, it will be over. If you're not careful, because then that defense, which is not very good, it's not great, but they are situationally good or great. The Dolphin, I mean, the Lions have a situational defense that is great at teeing off at the quarterback. Like, if you have a shaky offensive line that's late in the game and they need to stop, they will get after the quarterback. They will turn into a bunch of Dan Campbells. They will embody that head coach's motto. They will snap someone's leg off they will annihilate you they will turn you to marshmallows 
they will blow you out of the building. Like they will run you out of the building. They will beat you down and and it's going to be bad. Like the, the lions can make it a bad, bad game, a bad day at the office. If you are not careful because they're just dangerous because they, they play with heart. They play with heart. I mean, Look at these some of these games. I mean, at Packers, blew them out 34-20. Beat the Panthers down 42-24. Beat the Buccaneers 20-6. Fell off against the Ravens, but then came out against Vegas. Against the JV Raiders. And beat them down 26-14. So they can beat teams down. If you come in unprepared, not focused taking the Lions lightly because, you know, I mean, I understand historically they are the freaking Lions, the joke of the town, the laugh of the town, the, the cute, cuddly losers. But not now. Now, because, I mean, let's go way back here. They beat the Chiefs in opening night. They came and they went into the Chiefs building and took their food, stole their lunch money. They are the tougher football team. The Lions are tough. They might get punched in the face. They might get smacked around. But if you show any signs of weakness, they will get after you and they will finish you off in a way you you don't want to be. You don't want to be. You don't want to be in that situation because... If it's wrong place, wrong time, the Lions will make sure it's wrong place, wrong time. And that's what they do. They do a great job of doing that. So the defense needs to be ready today. Because if not, it's going to be a long day at the office. Prove that you've gotten better. Prove that you've gotten better. Prove it to me today. Prove it. Prove to everyone that you're a real defense, that you're actually capable of improving because thus far you've shown no signs of, yeah, you know, we can fix this. We can maybe turn this around. Not completely because it's too late in the year for that. You've, you've had plenty of chances training camp. I don't know what you're doing, but if you're going to show some signs of life in the secondary, if you're going to show any signs of life, come out today. Come out against a great Lions offense that's high flying. Get after the quarterback. Make turnovers. Turn Jared Goff. Make him look like the Rams quarterback. Turn him back to what he is. Turn back the clock. If not, if you come out today and get shredded, then I don't want to hear anything about it. I don't want to hear people talk about the defense having a chance to fix it because today is the last the last straw. Today is it. They don't turn around they can't turn it around today, then it's not gonna work out. It's not gonna work out. It's not gonna happen. And that's just something we will have to live with. It's gonna be hard to stomach. It's gonna be hard to swallow, but it is what it is. <laughs> because this defense 
secondary is one of like I said, I've I've read the stat a freaking a million times. It's the worst secondary in the NFL, and it's on pace to be one of the worst in league history. Think about that. Think about that. So the bar of like improving very low. But if they come out today, if they come out today and get after the Lions offense, speed them down, and the more physical team, because I know it's in there. I know it's in there. They've shown flashes of it. Doran James, my favorite player in the defense, my favorite player in the defense. He's one of my favorite players in the team. I love Doran James. Very quickly, he's one of my favorite players. I love his aggressiveness, his love and passion for football, for aggressive defense. He's he's needs to cut down on the on the bullshit late hits. Needs to tone it down. Because and listen, I'm not saying he's doing it to be dirty. But the NFL watches him like a hawk because he hits hard, and I love it. But you've got to watch. You have to be responsible with it. But Monday night, Monday night, let me tell you something. Monday night, he was blasting people off. Duran James was blasting people off to smithereens. He was taking people and he was blasting them off. He Gilman too. I mean, I'll give Gilman credit like I brought him up earlier. He was hitting, he was hitting hard. Do that today. Take that mentality, take that aggressiveness, that responsible aggressiveness and take it today. Apply it today. You don't have to leave it against the Jets. You can bring it today and do what you did. The, do what you, Take what you did Monday and do it today. That's what you got to do. That's what the good teams do. That's what the real football teams, the team that everyone considers Super Bowl contenders, that's what they do. We've got to do that. We've got to prove that we can do that. We haven't proven that we can do that yet. Consistently, we've never done that. We do it in, you know, random moments. <laughs> Just happens, but maybe today is the day, but today you got to start somewhere. You got to start somewhere because you can look, you, you can look good against the bad teams. Every, every decent team will, will blow out a bad team. You, when you're up against bad quarterbacks, your de- any defense can look great. You're playing Jared Goff, who people are getting high on or love. Get after him. Get after him. If you get after Jared Goff, turn him back into to the Rams version, then I'll give you props. And, you know, maybe, then maybe we can start having a real 
conversation about, hmm, maybe the defense is turning it around. Maybe they're finally getting it. Maybe they're finally focused. Maybe J.C. Jackson, the mole in the locker room, maybe he was the problem. Maybe he was just such a mole that he was ruining the locker room. Like, he just killed the vibe. He was a buzzkill. Which, I mean, I have no doubt that he was. But defense needs to prove something today. They got That's the focus. The focus needs to be on the defense. The, from a de- defense as a whole. And then the second part that we need to focus on, the second part that we need to talk about is the offense line. The offense line, similar to last week, is the word that we need to focus on. Because they were not great last week against the Jets, who do who have the best defense in the league. The Jets have the best defense. It's going to be the best defense we have faced all season. But geez, the offensive line, ever since Corey Lindsey went out with his injury, whew, it is horrible. The right side from Will Clapp the center, the, 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 the replacement. First off, he has no business being in the NFL to begin with. Like, Will Clapp has no business being a center in the National Football League. A starter, especially. Like, that is, like, if, if you're that, like, the fact that we did not consider strongly bringing in someone else is baffling to me. Like, that is baffling to me. How in the world can, did, did, like, did Brandon Staley, did Kellen Moore, has anyone in this coaching staff, did Tom freaking, like, what's Tom Telesco watching? Seriously. What is Tom Telesco watching? Like, in general, you can make, the, for nine freaking years, what has he been watching? But this season, what has he been watching? Does he even watch the games? Does he know, does he know I mean, I guess he did watch the defense, but does he, like, turn the TV off when the offense goes on the field? Like, when the offense goes on the field, does he shut off the TV or does he just walk out of the room? Has he seen this offensive line play? Like, has he seen Will Clapp? Has he seen him play well at all? Is he watching a different game than we are? Is he, like, the... <laughs> Will Clapp is horrendous. This offensive line, this season... I mean, people always say, well, last year they were good. No, this season. We're talking about this season, 2023. We're not worried about what happened in 2022. We are concerned with what's going on right now. This offensive line has been terrible. Ever since Corey Lindsey went, went down from the Vikings game until now, it has been Horrendous. The Raiders game. I told you what was going to happen. Will Claps first game as the starter. Watch out for Max Crosby. Bam. There he is. He caused havoc. 
the whole game. Cowboys game. I told you what was going to happen. Will clap against that Cowboys pass rush. The best part of that defense is their pass rush. Huh. And what does Will Clapp do the, the worst at? What is he the worst at? Which is pathetic to even think about. Oh, pass protecting. Run blocking, not bad. Not great, but that's he's better at that. Pa but, but the most important job, which is freaking pass blocking, he's horrible at. He can't do it. He can't do it. He just can't. He's showing... I, I don't know what he did at his previous stops. But with the Chargers, he has not done that at all. No, no, none. Not once. Last season, none. It was horrible. I was like, kind of, because he played a game last year, and I forgot what game it was in particular, but it was horrible. It was horrifying. It was like, oh my gosh. Like, this is the freaking, this is the backup? And then he comes out this season, and it's like right on schedule, he was horrible. Horrible. Like, he is the Storm Norton of centers. Storm Norton, the worst offensive line on the planet Earth. And then you got this guy, Will Clapp, who is a meme for other reasons. But, but then, <laughs> it's just terrible. The added salt on the wound, he's, he's horrible. He's the worst center I've ever seen. Like, this man has no business being in the NFL. Being a starting center, I mean, I hate to say it like that. But good grief, dude. You are horrendous. You're going to get Justin Herbert put on IR. Like, it's always something. Like, Justin Herbert's been banged up the last two seasons. He shattered his shoulder last year. Thumb injury, his hand. It's always something. Getting poked in the eye. I mean, he, he gets battered. He gets, gets the crap beat out of him. Every game. And Tom Telesco does nothing. It's all about the offensive line. If your offensive, offensive line, the right side of it especially, can't do anything, that's pathetic. Rashawn Slater's really good. He's the best left tackle in football. At worst, he's top five. But Jamari Sawyer, Will Clapp, and Trey Pipkins have been freaking terrible the whole year. All three, the three Stooges, have been terrible the whole year. And the fact, no adjustments have been made by Kellen Moore or Tom Telesco or Brandon Staley, who's the head coordinator. Like I, I still believe this. I still believe Brandon Staley is the offensive coordinator of the team. I think he's the defensive coordinator. And I think he's off in the corner because I believe he he tells Kellen Moore what what you can run. Like Kellen Moore can have his offense, but then Brandon Staley's gonna go through it and he's gonna pick out his plays. Oh yeah, you can run this, but you're not gonna do this. Because what we see every week, I can I'm, I will hammer this home. But what we have seen this season is not the real Kellen Moore's offense. Like this is not the real Kellen Moore's offense. This is not the high-flying deep balls. I mean, like the the Cowboys with Dak Prescott out of all the quarterbacks, they were bombs away on offense. I mean, they were. I mean, they, they were just lighting people up like a Christmas tree. 
our offense is Justin Herbert against the Jets averaged 4.5 yards a pass. 4.5 yards a pass. Seriously? Are you freaking kidding me? This Justin Herbert has a cannon forearm. He has a light beam forearm. Let him throw the football. Come on, man. Let him rip it. Let it rip. I mean, you have Darius Davis, who made a punt return for a touchdown in that in that Jets game, and then you don't see him the rest of the game. How do you do that? He had an 87-yard touchdown punt return that opened the floodgates for the Jets or, or, or uh, against the Jets. And then Darius Davis. The rest of the game, I'm looking for his receiving your Oh, whoa, what? One catch, zero yards, one target. Are you freaking kidding me? And I get it. The Jets defense is really, really good. You don't even get him on the freaking field. You don't get him any targets. He's a playmaker. He makes plays. Like, between the two TCU kids, Darius Davis has been really, really good. Once again, he doesn't get on the field because it's always Jalen. I mean, Jalen Guyton, he was coming off a major injury, had more snaps than Darius Davis. And and I get it, Jalen Guyton's a fast guy, but I was watching a video the other day torturing myself. We had Tyron Johnson, a speed guy who could catch the football that had some hands. Not some brick hands, some butterfingers like some of these guys do, like Jalen Guyton. He could catch the football. We never put him on the field, but bam, he had one game against Tampa, the Buccaneers, in 2020. He went off for like three touchdowns. He was ridiculous. He was shredding that defense. We cut him, of course. Then we get Jalen Guyton. You know, people talk about yeah, the potential there. He has good moments like once a year. <sighs> He gets more snaps than Darius Davis, who has proven that he can make plays. I mean, he opened that game against the Jets. Could you imagine if we didn't have that punt return? Now, we would have won the game. But based on how the offense was playing, based on how the offensive line was playing, getting that punt return was major, was significant. That was a big play in the game. That opened the game up for the Chargers. That changed that game's outcome in a big, big way. And you refused to put Darius Davis in the game. And now, because of this team's poor planning planning on offense, poor planning overall, Who's your second receiver now? Because guess what? Right on the schedule, Joshua Palmer is out with an injury. You've you drafted two receivers and you refuse to get any of them involved. You refuse. Because you relied on Keenan Allen, who's all-time great. Congrats on 10,000 yards. Deserves it. Underrated receiver. 
You have Keenan Allen. You got he's up in age. Been in the league a while. You got Mike Williams. He's always hurt. He's going to get injured at some point. I mean, I know he can't help it, but based on his track record, he's going to have some type of injury. He tears his ACL against the Vikings out for the year. And down goes Josh Palmer against the Bears. He gets banged up. He's out for a few games, maybe longer. And you don't, but but in the meantime, leading up to that, you've done nothing to get Darius Davis and Quentin Johnston involved in the passing game. And, and, and in the moments when you put Quentin Johnston on the field, when you try to use him, when you give him a chance, you set him up for failure by having him run freaking like jump balls. That's not what he's good at. He's a yards after catch player. I said it back in the, like, man, I'm telling you, I question this team's scouting department. Like, what does this team's scouting department do? Do we have one? Seriously, like, do we, like, what is our scouting department doing? Like, and then what's our coaching staff doing? If you wanted a guy that wanted jump balls, you should have drafted someone else. Quentin Johnson's not that. Not, if you, did you watch any of his film coming out into the draft? Hello? He didn't, he did not do that. It's it's really baffling to me. This team, the way Brandon Staley and Tom Telesco, the way they operate this team is a, an embarrassment. Let Kellamore coach the freaking offense. Stop letting your ego, Brandon Staley, of getting of the way of preventing this team from winning. Because Brandon Staley gets in the way of this team He's getting in the way of Justin Herbert reaching its full potential. Because, I, you know what? I'll, I mean, this is probably a stupid take, but I'll say it anyway. At least Anthony Lynn let Shane Steichen coach the offense. Because Justin Herbert, the rest of the team was a mess, but he was still lighting it up. Now you brought in this head coach. He wants it done a certain way, has this stupid vision that has not worked, has not panned out. It's always a bunch of excuses, uh, whether it's injuries, whether it's we don't have the right players yet. Okay, well, you went out, signed the guy, $82 million cornerback. You added all the offensive players you wanted. You added the offensive line you wanted. You added the running backs, all that great stuff. And the team continues to be just average. And then you draft a receiver in the first round. A first round receiver. Knowing his strengths are yards after catch. Yak yards. And then you... And then you just... Don't even use him. Against the Jets, he had... Quentin Johnson. Two catches, 14 yards, three targets. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> your number one receiver. 
your first round receiver, your number one overall pick, and you three targets. I mean, in training camp, we and in mini camp, whatever, throughout the off season, we saw all the videos. We saw the videos of him looking great in practice. I mean, I know it's practice, but I was like, uh-oh, hoo-hoo. Because you can go back and look, and, I'll, and I will own it. I thought Quentin Johnson was going to take off. I thought he had a great opportunity to come into this team and be a playmaker and potentially win rookie of the year because I thought, like, I saw the, I saw it. It's there. It's just not being utilized correctly. You got to play to a player's strengths. You got to operate the offense to a player's strengths, not trying to jam a player into your offensive scheme. That's the ego I'm talking about that this team, this coaching staff, and it, the head coach, I'm talking to you, Brand Staley, you and your ego-driven maniac self who tries to fit players into your scheme and your crappy defense hasn't worked at all, but you continue to throw it out there and you get the same results when you go up against a bad team and then your ego gets stroked and polished when you play a bad team, but then you turn around and you play a good team and get annihilated. And we wonder, oh, I wonder what happened. So, no, I'm not giving the defense the benefit of the doubt. I'm not doing it. I'm not giving the defense any credit yet. Because if you're that, if, if, you, if you've improved, if you're for real about this, if you're serious, then go out there and make plays. The offensive line, if you're serious about winning, I'm talking the will clap. I mean, you're, you're all we have. Unless we throw in the kid at the third string center, which is, I don't even want to think about that. No telling what he's all about. I forget the guy's kid's name, but sorry. Um, sorry for that, but this team, we still, the issue, even though we've won two in a row, the point of all of this today, the point of where the discussion needs to be and where I've brought it today is that our glaring issues still exist. They still exist. They haven't disappeared. The offensive line is still bad. Still horrendous. We've underutilized all of our draft picks. Quentin Johnson, Darius Davis, the two notable ones. Tooley's been good, but then oh, other than that, it's been horrible. But if we're a for real football team, if we're serious about making a playoff run, we've got to come out today and we've got to win. First, you got to win the game. But then, in order to say the defense has clearly gotten legitimately better, you've got to play well today. You can win the game 39-34, but, but I'm not going to come out here next week or come out after the game and say, yeah, you know what? The defense is better. No, I'm going to say it's the same. Right now, I'm going to say the same. Like, it's not changing. Like, right now, it's still a bad defense. Like, I don't I don't care. Like, 
excuse me, but uh, I don't, I don't, I don't give a damn what you did against the Bears third string quarterback. I don't care what you did against Zach Wilson, an all time bust. So please miss me with this idea that I should be worried about that I should be getting excited about this about this defense about this offensive line no none both units major important units in football like when we think of football your defense needs to be decent which we're not and your offensive line needs to be able to do their job and they don't not consistently. So, we have a lot to prove. Because we've played two offenses the last couple of weeks on defense. Bears, Jets, that are pumpkins. That are horrible. We've got to come out today against a legitimate, real offense. Not a disaster. A legitimate offense that we consider best in the league. We got to come out today and play well. Because I, I don't want to, because if we come out and we look dazed, we look out of touch, out of sync, we will get blown off the field. It will be a long day. And the Lions are not the type of team you want to get into a battle. If the Giants get up on a lead on you and if they get up by a couple of touchdowns, good luck. Good luck because you've already lost this because then that defense, which is mediocre, they have a good pass rush. They will t- start teeing off on you. That's a bad recipe for an offensive line. That's not very good because the second that defense has confidence, that offensive line, they will fold up like a lawn chair. And Justin Herbert will be once again running around for his life. Because Justin Herbert, you know, he's been getting banged up a lot. And what's that a result of? The offensive line. The offensive line is horrendous. And it's getting the quarterback injured. It's crushing his confidence. It's ruining it. Like, it's crushed. It's shot his confidence. He has no confidence in his offensive line. He's seeing ghosts every time he's on the field. Especially when he's gotten hit a few times, which is not good. Because when he had, when just, and, when, and this is any quarterback, when any quarterback has time to throw the football, when any quarterback has time to operate, they look great. When they don't have the time to do their job, when they don't have time to sit back and analyze the field, good luck. All the top quarterbacks that's happened to. Tom Brady, Joe Montana, go down the list. No one's safe. No quarterback is safe. If you don't have an offensive line that's handicapped in any way, good luck. And also, when your defense is bad. When your defense is historically bad, it doesn't help also. It doesn't. So this is a big game today, and I and I understand I've been saying that every single week. It feels like, 
but we've been in playoff mood football since late September. We started off 0-2. So we've been in that mood, that mindset, that we've been, we need that mentality. We need that mentality of coming out and being physical and being aggressive and not, and setting the tone. Punching first, not reacting, not letting the opponent, not letting the Lions come in and punch us in the face. We need to get after them first. We need to get after them. You you, got to be the initiator. And too often, this team, this defense, this attitude, this mentality that we have is not, it's not good enough. Needs to improve. You got to set the tone when you're playing, especially when you're up against a team like this. When you're up against an offensive line like the Lions, the best offensive line in the league, they are loaded. Top five draft picks all over the place. You've got to match it. You got to match it. You got to match. And too often, this team comes out against top teams. I don't know why, but they come out and just act like we we, we deserve it. So it's going to be interesting to watch today. If they come out, and if they come out like they are desperate to win a game. If they come out, sit back, California, cool. Mm-mm. Not going to work against the Lions. Because if Tua can crush your defense, Jared Goff can. It is what it is. Because technically, Jared Goff has no business crushing your defense. But based on how the defense has looked, I'm not surprised. I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Lions won won this game. So right now, I'm feeling the Lions won this game. 32-31. 32-31. I believe Justin Herbert scores. I believe the offensive line will look a little better today. But I believe at the end of the day, the pass defense is going to get torched. I understand they've looked good the last two weeks. But they need to show some consistency. And so far, they've played two good games. Do another one. Do another one then maybe I'll start listening. But until then, until I see that, then I'm going to start I'm, I'm I will continue to doubt this team. I will continue to doubt this defense. So there we go. Lions by a touchdown. Hope I'm wrong, but against these top offenses, this defense has not been consistent. The entire Brandon Staley era not consistent. Okay, so switching gears from the NFL. Now it's time for some NBA time for the Lakers who are in some serious trouble early on. The Lakers right now are 4-5 and five on the season. They have lost to the Nuggets, which happened opening night. They've lost to the Kings in overtime. 
Lost to the Magic on the road. Lost to the Miami Heat. Lost to the Rockets, 128-94. And then beat the Suns Friday night in a close game where LeBron dropped 32. So, before I get into the, the Lakers' problems, because the Lakers got some issues. I know people want to look at the Lakers because heading into the season, and I did it too, I believe they are a legitimate threat to the Nuggets. Now, the Nuggets is going to be interesting how they handle the next couple of months because Jamal Murray's out for the rest of November with an injury with his knee. So it's going to be interesting what happens to the Nuggets. I believe they'll be fine. So the Lakers have an opportunity to make up some ground with the Nuggets. With Jamal Murray going out, because who knows, maybe the Nuggets fall apart. I mean, we don't know, but chances are they won't, but you never know. The Lakers have not looked like a good team the whole year. They have not. LeBron's looked good. LeBron's looked really, really good. I mean, like Friday night against the Suns, who some are picking to win the championship, the Suns. Like Vegas has them as title favorites, as top three, which to me is baffling because they have no defense at all. <laughs> None. LeBron James was the best player on the floor. 11 for 17. Three for four from three-point range. 11 rebounds, six assists. 32 points. And the guy turns 39 in December. A month from today, I believe, or whenever. In December, LeBron James turns 39. And this guy is still doing this. You can criticize LeBron for whatever you want. Whatever your grudge is against him. But damn, you cannot deny that this man at 38 years old, about to turn 39, is still playing at this level. That he can still even do this. Play 32 minutes, or excuse me, play 36 minutes, score 32. Like this whole season, he's been really, really good. Like he's been really good, especially for a 38-year-old player. Because we've never seen this before. People say, well, Vince Carter played a long time. Well, yeah, well, Vince Carter was a shell of himself. He was he was a veteran. He was he was a veteran guy. He was scoring like what, ten points, not even that a game, three a game. He he didn't even play some nights. He was a locker room guy. He was an old old veteran, a glue guy at that point. LeBron still dropping points. He's still he's still he's still a top ten player in the league, Le- legitimately top ten player in the league. This season, he's averaging thirty four minutes, twenty two points a game, six assists, nine rebounds, three point percentage thirty percent. 
Yeah, I understand it's only it's early in the year. It's only been nine games. We're nine games in. But he's been the best player by far on the Lakers. And he's been a top three player in the league. Like, he is playing very, very well out of the gate. He dropped 32 against the Suns, had a stinker against the Rockets, but the whole team didn't show up. He got crushed 120 to 94. I mean, embarrassing. Lost to Miami Heat in a tough game. He dropped 30, though. 30. Lost to the Magic at 24. Dropped 35 against the Clippers in overtime and a great game. Played great against Sacramento. LeBron's had moments this season to where he's looked really, really good. He's looked great. And people should, and he deserves his props for coming out this season early on and doing what's been necessary to have this team at 4-5. and five. Because, and, and this is the part where Lakers fans should be concerned. It, this is not a good sign. This is not a good sign when your 38-year-old player going on 39, and I know it's LeBron, but he's 38 going on 39. He should not be your best player. Anthony Davis has been a massive disappointment ever since the bubble because the plan was you won the championship in the bubble, which they did in dominating fashion. Coming and then since that point, he's been he's come up flat. AD one night he's good, next night he's bad. He's not consistent. He needs to show some consistency. He needs to show that he cares about this enough. That hey, yes, I, I yes, LeBron, I will take the torch, I will take the the throne, and I will lead this team. And no. And I get it. It's not all his fault. He's banged up a lot. He's injured. But when he's on the floor. The effort, the heart, the desire is not there all the time. And also, people, you know, were hyping up Austin Reeves. And I told you so, Austin Reeves, people were trying to make it sound like he was a top three player or that the, he was like a top 20 player. This make-believe story that Austin Reeves was going to be a star player this season was ridiculous. I told all of you that was a bunch of nonsense. Never bought into that. No way. He had he was good last year. He was really good. Averaged right around 18 to 19 points per game. This season, Austin Reeves has been disappointing. He's averaged 13 points per game. His points per game has decreased through nine. He's not a Chris Bosh type of player.
Because that's what people were trying to compare him to. He's not the third wheel on a big three. The Lakers don't have a big three. They don't even have a big two at this point. And name, they do, because of AD, big name. That's not a big three. It's not a big two. It's a big one. The Lakers are in some trouble. Because this team, and, and, and and they do, on paper, have a good team. Now, what they need to do is, and I know it's controversial, but I have said this over and over again. If we're talking from a pure basketball standpoint, if we're, if we're just talking about basketball, we're not talking about life, we're not talking about anything else, we're talking about what we have seen in the basketball NBA basketball court, Kyrie Irving is a better fit on this team than Anthony Davis. Like, if the Lakers' goal is to win a championship this season, because that's the goal, right? LeBron's not going to be around forever, and the Lakers have gone pretty much all in. Like, they will do whatever to get LeBron what he needs. They have shown that. They have shown the willing to make changes. They've made changes from how the team's operated, because up until LeBron joining the team, the Lakers have been pretty cutthroat. It's been the Bust family and or Bust. It's them. Like Jeannie Bust, she makes the, all the decisions. She's the leader of the organization. She's running the show. It started from Dr. Bust, went to the Bust brothers, who were a bunch of knuckleheads. They're, they're no longer involved because they were running that show into the ground. It was a clown circus. Jeannie took over. She's running with an iron fist. But she's made some sacrifices to LeBron because LeBron, you know, I mean, I know Jeannie Buss denies it. LeBron denies it. We know good and damn well LeBron James is the GM, unofficial GM of the Lakers. We know that. <laughs> we ain't stupid. Anthony Davis did not end up on the Lakers by accident. That was not an accident. That was the plan the second LeBron showed up in L.A. That was the plan. The plan was not freaking Lonzo Ball. It was not Brandon Ingram. And listen, Brandon Ingram's turned into a fine player. Lonzo Ball, he's injuries have wrecked his career. The plan was not to stick around with Julius Randle. None of that was the plan. The plan wasn't Luke Walton. None of that was in the cards long-term for LeBron. It was all about AD. AD has not lived up to those hefty, hefty. And we're talking about the Lakers. We're talking about in the NBA. Like when we think of the NBA, when we think of flagship franchise, we think of the Lakers and the Celtics. Anthony Davis, they've had stars come through. The Lakers, from Magic Johnson, from Kareem, from Shaq, Kobe, LeBron now in AD. AD was supposed to be that new guy, the next guy in line, and everyone else has been through the Lakers. He hasn't done it. He hasn't embraced that challenge. He keeps saying it. He verbally says that he wants to take it on. He hasn't taken it on. So if I'm the Lakers, and I know they've said no to this, 
but you're not convincing me that there is not a 50-50 chance Kyrie Irving is on the Lakers by the trading deadline. You're not convincing me of that. Now, I know they can't trade him now. I believe they can do start having that discussion in early January, um, in early January since Kyrie just signed back in the summer. But you're not going to tell me that this is not on the table. You're not going to tell me that Kyrie Irving ending up on the Lakers is not a possibility. Are you joking me? That is totally possible. Totally possible. And I believe potentially, and if you go look at the numbers, Ruri Hachimura and Dandre Russell, and you combine some picks and all that stuff, their contracts add up to Kyrie's. Pretty much. Dead even. Maybe give or take. And you may have to add another player in there, but they're pretty much even. So the deal could be done. Or I, I do offer this. I do offer this take. If I'm the Lakers, I call up the Mavericks. And and listen, I understand Kyrie has his issues. He has his issues off the floor, his uh, sabbaticals. He's somewhere other than basketball, other than his job. Like he wants to go on these vacations. He wants to say crazy stuff. He wants to do crazy things, but he still wants to check. But where was, on a basketball court, who's better than Kyrie Irving? When he's in his element, when he is in his right mind, when he is making plays, he was spectacular with LeBron James. And that 2016 finals down 3-1, if you go back and watch, man, those two were, the Warriors Wanted nothing to do with them. Like Kyrie and LeBron, it scared the Warriors that much. They called up Kevin Durant and signed him. Because they had they, they couldn't mess with him. They couldn't mess with him. Steph, Stephen Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond, the Golden State Warriors couldn't mess with LeBron and Kyrie. Kyrie can still play. I know people will have tuned him out. But if we're talking about from basketball only, Kyrie can still play. Kyrie can still be the Uncle Drew of the NBA. That has not changed. He can make guys look silly, has the ball on a yo-yo. I mean, the guy is ridiculous. He is a freak with the basketball. The only downside of signing him is the extracurricular stuff that comes along with Kyrie. But if anyone can manage it, it's LeBron James. He managed. I mean, Kyrie has been the same guy his entire career. This this whole thing with Kyrie. He, he was a weird dude in college. I mean, he said some weird stuff. I mean, he's, he's, he said some weird stuff. He's done it over and over again. He's going to continue. He's in Kyrie's world, and that's about it. You know, th- that's him. 
LeBron can deal with a lot of guys. I mean, he, he LeBron's dealt with a lot of characters, and he's won with a lot of characters. He won with Kyrie. He can control Kyrie. He can control him enough to where he, you know he can keep him off the deep end from dropping off the deep end. But Kyrie and LeBron, that that combo is is good. It's really good, and I wouldn't be suggesting this if AD was more consistent because the AD and LeBron combo in the bubble, no one can stop it. Like, if they were consistent, if AD was consistent, the Nuggets couldn't stop them. But the issue is AD's injured or he's not consistent. It's one of the two. And if I'm the Lakers and and, and if I'm trying to get every ounce of the LeBron era that I, and I get it, you have a championship. But if I'm, but if I'm trying to get one more, if I'm trying to maximize my time with LeBron James, because we are getting up to the end, he's not going to play forever. You, you got to make a move. I believe you got to make a move. Austin Reeves, LeBron, AD. You need to change it up. You can keep Austin Reeves, but you can't rely on him to be the third best, second best player. You just can't. You just can't. And it manifested this week against the Magic, manifested against the Miami Heat, and it really showed up against the Rockets. It's not good enough. This roster is not set up in a way that is conducive for winning a championship. They can't compete in the West at this. They can't... Especially with Denver, when the Nuggets get healthy, when Jamal Murray's healthy and they're right, the Lakers right now cannot cannot compete with that. We will get a repeat of the of last year's conference finals. Austin Reeves is not a third wheel player. I've been trying to get it through everyone's head. I've been saying that. No one listened. Everyone's went off the deep end and said, "Yeah, he is." Yeah, what are you talking about? Yeah, he is. No, he's not. Never has, never will be. And that's not disrespecting him. That's just stating a fact. He's not Chris Bosh. The quit trying to lift these ridiculous expectations on them. Oh, especially on Austin Reeves. And the reason, if you're the Lakers, you can't. I know you're four and five and you're currently the eighth seed. But you can't afford to start losing games in the Western Conference. I mean, I know it's only the second, third week of the season, but, it, but the West is loaded because from the Trailblazer or, or from the Clippers all the way up, who are the le- the Clippers right now are the 11 seed, all the way to the Nuggets. You got the Mavericks, Timberwolves, Rockets, curling the four seed, Warriors, Thunder. Kings, Lakers, Suns, Pelicans. West is loaded. And then the teams below, you got Spurs, 1B. They're not easy. The Jazz are tricky. The Grizzlies suck. But they're, but they're not easy. And then they got the Blazers. The West is not easy. You, you can't you can't be losing games in the West. Like You can't go on three to four game losing streaks in the West. And expect to be in playoff contention. Because you could be easily out of this. Quickly. 
So that's my thoughts on the Lakers. Now to the other team in Staples Center. They got a new arena coming around the block. The Clippers and the James Harden era got off to a bad start Monday night. This past Monday against the Knicks, 111-97. Then they lost again in James Harden's second game Wednesday, losing to the Nets 193. And then they got smacked by the, by the Mavericks 144-126. The Clippers are 0-3 in the James Harden era. And folks, what did I say? What did I say the second the James Harden trade went down? When the Clippers pulled the trigger and they actually did this, they brought in James Harden. That's how desperate the Clippers are. They blew it. Because heading into the year before this trade, because at this point, I thought the 76ers were not going to do it. But Darren Morey is such a lover for James Harden. Even when, he, when, even when James Harden tells him he doesn't like him anymore, that he's done with him, that this relationship is done, this partnership is done. He carried him through the coals, went all the way to freaking China, all the way to China, and said, yeah, Darren Morey is a liar. He's an, yeah, I don't trust him, won't play from over again. And Darren Morey still gives him what he wants. Meanwhile, Dame, great teammate, great locker room guy, not a, can, not, not a, not a pain in the ass to deal with. He gets. He wants to go to Miami, and the Blazers say, "No, you're going to, to Milwaukee, pal." Uh, but whatever. That's crazy how the NBA works. But James Harden's not a winning player. He's not a winning player. Like people, like we're like, hmm. Like I heard some people say, you know what? It may work. Paul George, Kawhi, Russell Westbrook, James Harden. What could go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? Yeah, I mean, like, forget James Harden just wrecking three franchises, Rockets, Nets, and 76ers. Forget all that. Forget that he quit his way out of Houston, got fat, showed up game number one, dropped 40, went on a booze cruise with every rapper on IG that you can find, and then went to the Nets, kicked and screamed out of Houston, Wanted to be with Kyrie and Katie. Vibes in Brooklyn. Year and a half later, wants out. Want begged to go to the, to Daramore, to the 76ers. Got this to Philly with Embiid. Got knocked out by the Miami Heat in year year one. Year two, crapped the bed, crapped out against the Boston Celtics. Showed up in game one, dropped 40 plus, and then. Turn around the rest of the series. Game six, blew it in the second half. Game seven, showed up on the road in Boston. Nine points. Joel Embiid was bad too. He had 15. Pathetic. James Harden, nine points. Quit in the third quarter when the Celtics got, when the 76ers got 
blown off the floor. It was over. No heart, nothing. And then apparently Doc Rivers and him didn't see eye to eye. Got one of Doc Rivers fired. Doc Rivers fired. And James Harden opts into the contract, signs the dotted line, and he goes, where's my contract extension? He wanted it right then and now. He wanted it right now. Immediately demands a trade and kicks and screams. Starts acting weird. He's in Houston for some reason. He's not at practice. Refuses to come to training camp. Shows up in Philadelphia to try to board the team plane. Gets told to go home. And then, boom, late in the night, a couple weeks ago, he and he ends up on the Clippers. With Paul George, Kawhi, Westbrook, and now he throw Harden in. And what's the problem with that? Besides all the stuff that is one-off with the off-the-court stuff, just from a basketball standpoint, James Harden is a choke machine. In Houston, it was a long six years. MVP, I get it. And, you know, the three-point shot, step-back three that he made big that every kid now loves to do. Even though I, I still think it's a travel, but whatever. James Harden, you can't trust him. You can't trust him in the locker room. You can't trust him on the floor in a big moment. You definitely can't trust him in a big moment. He's never exercised that you can trust him. He's either hurt with some stupid petty injury or he's crapping the bed. There's always some excuse of him. And when the second it doesn't go his way, he wants out. He's not a winning player. And Steve Ballmer and the Clippers, ever since the Kawhi and Paul George era, have all been about champion. We're going to win a championship. We're going to go all in. We're going in with F them picks. Because they, they the Clippers, they really said F them picks. Because they don't have a first-round pick until 2028. Think about that. 2028. That's five years from now. They don't own they don't own any of their first round picks. And knowing the Clippers, they'll 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 get rid of another one. So they are in a tough situation. Because in the games they've played so far, and this is the other problem I, I knew what was going to happen. These guys, Harden, Westbrook, Paul George, and Kawhi need the basketball in their hands. And this team before Harden joined, already did not have an offensive identity because it's your turn, my turn. Hey, Paul, it's your turn. Hey, Kawhi, it's your turn. That, that was their style. Now it's going to be Harden, it's your turn. Now it's, and that's what they've been doing. It's your turn, my turn. Westbrook, hey, Harden, here. You can't win like that. You can't have Paul George on the three-point line in the corner. You can't have Kawhi in the corner. You can't have Westbrook in the corner. What are you going to do? Kick it out to Westbrook and have him break a shot? You can't do it. That's some basketball 101. That's some crap you learn on 2K very quickly. You can't have Westbrook on the three-point line. It won't even work in 2K. Why would it work in real life? And I don't care through nine games. He's been, he's had career highs. That's nine games. What's happened? Okay, but now what's running back here? 
with what happened Friday night. Clippers on the road at Mavericks. They get blown out, 144 to 126. This team, remember when, when, when Kawhi and Paul George joined? They were going to be about defense. They were going to be the best defense in the league, Kawhi and Paul George. Well, they got shredded 47 to 18 in the second quarter. 47 to 18. That's pathetic, especially for a team like the Clippers that prides himself on defense. And the way the shots were distributed, Paul George is horrible. Three for 12. He had no rhythm. One for seven from three-point range. Finished with eight points. Kawhi had 26. Westbrook was terrible. 14 points. Negative 26. He was a turnover machine. Harden had 14. Yeah, not good. I mean, this is not going to work. It's not going to work. And then earlier in the week, against the Brooklyn Nets, it was just more disappointment. 193. Again, the problem. Paul George, Kawhi, 24 points. Paul George was very inefficient. 7 for 20. Westbrook, 6 for 18. Harden, 4 for 9. Terrible, terrible. Five turnovers. They just couldn't buy a basket in that game. Defense was a little better. But then the first game at Knicks, they got shellacked in the second half. Third quarter, 34-30. And then they got punked in the fourth quarter, 35-21. This is not going to work. And then Paul George, 2 for 11, 10 points. Kawhi, 18 Westbrook, 8 for 13, 17. Harden, 6 for 9. No one can get in a rhythm on this team. This is not going to work. This is insulting to basketball. This is not going to work. Paul George can't get a rhythm because this is what happens. Westbrook and Harden are ego-driven maniacs. If they don't get the ball in their hands, they will sour, they will... Kill the vibe in a locker room, and that will spiral out of control. So the feed the beast, so to speak, they got to keep them too happy. That's not gonna. You can't win a championship like that. You can't go into the East, the Western Conference and expect to win an NBA championship to compete with the Denver Nuggets, and then have these four guys on your like. This is the lineup they're rolling out. Paul George, Kawhi, Zubak, Westbrook, Harden. And you can't throw Westbrook on the bench now because you already threw him back in the lineup. And listen, I think Tyron Lue is a great head coach. I believe he's really, really good. Top five in the league, but geez, I feel bad for him. This is hard. I don't wish this on any basketball coach on planet earth. This is a headache. This is a Tuesday morning. Like this is bad. This is not going to work. This team might miss the playoffs. Because I was talking about the standings. For the Lakers. Because the Lakers have an easy fix. Will they do it? I don't know. They can get Kyrie and fix their problem tomorrow. The Clippers. Uh, they're stuck. With their problem. Like you can't just get rid of Harden again. Like what are you going to do? Get rid of him again? You can't. 
I mean, the Nuggets are better than them, clearly. The Mavericks, right now, I mean, I'll give the Mavericks, Mavericks credit. They're better right now than the Clippers. They blew them out Friday. Timberwolves, better than the Clippers. Rockets, playing right now, better than the Clippers. Warriors, better than the Clippers. Thunder, better than the Clippers. And huh, jokes on the Clippers because they got, Thunder got a bunch of picks and they got Shea Gilgis Alexander, who was a Clipper in 2019. Hmm. Before Clippers moved on to get Kawhi and Paul George. So funny how that works. Lakers, I would take them over the Clippers. Suns, I would take them over the Clippers. Pelicans. I don't know about the Pelicans, but I mean, you get you get it like that. That's nine teams I listed that right now I would take over the Clippers. And they've plummeted down my, my chart because you had a James Harden. Like I was giving the Clippers a chance. Kawhi, Paul George, and the way Westbrook was fitting in, if the cards fell in, in, in a manner that was conducive for championship and had a realistic path, then yeah, I, I would have given the Clippers a chance, but no, not not now. I've been on Harden's case for years. I've been on it on this show and on the old show. No, I am not a James Harden guy. No, never have, never will be, whether it's in the playoffs or off the court, locker room. No, not my cup of tea. Like, this guy is toxic. I don't like toxic. This dude's toxic. Like, James Harden is toxic. And the 76ers are better off without him. And now they're number one in the East. Look at that. James Harden leaves and the team gets better. The Clippers bring him on. Their situation went from pretty decent to now just... They might miss the playoffs. And I'm not joking. I'm not being hyperbolic by saying that. So, all right. So that's enough for the NBA. Enough with the Clippers. All right, so let's switch gears to this story. This is a mouthful. Um, so this is a just confusing to me. So Michigan, so Michigan football is under investigation for a cheating scandal involving sign stealing, and the Big Ten jumped ahead of the NCAA and suspended. Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh for three games starting with yesterday's game against Penn State. So he's banned from the sideline, got notified Friday night that you can't coach in the game, you can't coach the next three games or the next, uh, the, the rest of the regular season because of the sportsmanship policy that he violated and this is what we need to talk about this is what we need to talk about I am flabbergasted that the Big Ten jumped ahead of the investigation Jumped ahead of any investigation. Like I, I, from what I've, I mean, I've gotten conflicting reports. I, I think the NCAA is looking into it. 
who knows with them. I mean, the NCAA, like, that's a whole separate issue. The Big Ten was looking into this. They just started the investigation. Just started the investigation. And they jumped to a conclusion because by suspending Jim Harbaugh, by suspending him for th- the rest of the regular season and probably further, I mean, like at this point, he might as well. You just set a very, very bad precedent because now you're doing and it's uh, guilty before proven innocent. That you're guilty. And that, you know, regardless of what happens, reg- I mean, like, I get it. All the evidence indicates that, you know, pr- something probably did happen. I mean, you can go look it up yourself with, with that stallion character. Very odd to me. Whole situation. I mean, sure. I mean, it, it, it might be a stupid rule. And, you know, Michigan did break it. But you, you can't jump ahead. Before the investigation concludes, go through all the proper steps and then whenever that is, if it takes a couple months, do it after the season. Let it play out. Don't you don't need to make a splash. You don't need to rock waves right here, right now. And waiting until Friday night when you could have done this any other time, you could have done this earlier. You wait until Friday night right before the game. Very, very odd to me. And this this is what we need to worry about. You can't be punishing people before the investigation has even gotten started. Before it's even gotten traction. This is very, very early in the process. And this is something that we cannot endorse, that we cannot uh, support. Like even, even if Jim Harbaugh is guilty by a country mile, you still got to give the accused the chance to have due process. And right here, right now, that is not being afforded to Michigan because right, right now you, you punish by suspending for three games. You are punishing Michigan. You are telling Jim Harbaugh in Michigan, we think you're guilty before the investigation is even over you're guilty that's what we're going with and if you're Michigan you can't back away from this and then no you can't no unless I mean I know there's a judge could could stop this but if you're Michigan or uh, but, but but if you're the Big Ten you've got to stand on this because if you don't you're gonna look foolish like you're gonna look like the NCAA like the NCAA, like the, the, they're they're shooting themselves in the foot all the time. Like they're contradicts themselves all the time. Like like they're a walking contradiction. The Big Ten, you just set the precedent. You just drew the line in the sand and said, "Hey, uh, guilty until proven innocent." When it's supposed to be innocent until proven guilty, we can't have that. We can't have that in sports. We can't have that in any any walks of society, in any aspects of society. Every person, no matter if you like them or not, needs to be afforded the opportunity to explain their side of the story. And 
and and I'll make sure to I should have done this earlier, but I have said it before, before, before that I want Jim Harbaugh to coach the Chargers. So you can disqualify what I'm saying. So, but I do, I do want him. I think he's a good coach. Do I think the rule is stupid that they that that he's being accused of breaking? Yes. Now it's still a rule. So and they broke it, and this stallion character, whatever he is, it's very bad when you got him taking photos and wearing disguises and other teams' uniforms and coaching stuff. Very very weird. Very odd, uh, bizarre story just from that. Like, like what? But it's college football. It's NCA sports, and it's dirty. Like, I don't think people realize that NCA. Well, you probably do, but I'll, some folks don't realize that NCA college sports are dirty. They are filthy, dirty, cheating scandals. I mean, we can go down the list. I mean, you can name a scandal. There's something. There's something for everyone. If you want a good scandal to read about, the NCAA has one to offer. And this is a new one. Now, they could solve this issue by putting, doing what the NFL does and adding headsets into the helmets to the quarterback and then the linebacker on defense, which would be easy. It would solve the sign-stealing problem because it's like cardboard signs and football, like really... How old are we? This is not the 1970s. We don't need cardboard signs. Put headsets in the helmet. Follow the NFL rule. Shuts off at a certain time in the play clock. Saves us a lot of time and energy. But the biggest focus on all this is not... It's, the stupid rule, I mean, it shouldn't even be a rule. It shouldn't even be a problem. But jumping to conclusions before an investigation can fully gain traction, can fully get going, is a dangerous way to operate. Whether whether you think Michigan's guilty or not, and they probably are, but the investigation's not over yet. You didn't give Michigan the chance to properly explain what their side of the story was, or like their side of the story. You let the evidence from whoever turned Michigan and over to win the day. Because that's what you did by banning Jim Harbaugh, the head coach, the the rest of the regular season. That's what you did. Whether that was your intention or not, that is what you did, and you just opened Pandora's box, to, and you just set a dangerous precedent for the rest of these conferences because what's going to stop someone else in the Big Ten or someone else in the SEC or someone else wherever to turn their big opponent in, the, the turn Georgia in, or I don't know, pick one, turn people, turn each other in. The Big Ten set themselves up to where well, you punish you punish Jim Harbaugh. Why didn't you punish that coach? So the Big Ten just screwed themselves. This is crazy to me. This is absolutely bonkers. This is crazy.
I don't get any of this. This makes zero sense. This first off shouldn't even be an issue. And then secondly, due process, hello. I mean, due process left the chat. <laughs> and that's something that we shouldn't, I mean, it's not funny. We should be, like that. that is something that is being overshadowed and that needs to be a bigger part of the story. And, and I believe if I'm Michigan, if I'm Jim Harbaugh, I am making a point of emphasis that, hello, our due process was not afforded. Public opinion doesn't decide cases, no matter if it's in the sports realm, politics, law, whatever, criminal law, whatever. You got to let everyone share the sides of the story. And Michigan's, in this case, was not afforded. They were not given a chance. And, hey, I mean, Michigan won the game. They pretty much dominated Penn State in that game yesterday. Cause I, I mean, I, I, I watched the game yesterday because I was curious how this was going to turn out. And Michigan played inspired. I mean, that defense is really good. They shut down Penn State's quarterback, held him to 70 yards. So maybe Michigan can get through it without their head coach because who knows if he's if, if Harbaugh will get reinstated. But if I'm Jim Harbaugh, and I'm not saying this because of I'm a Chargers fan, I'm, I'm like, man, how much more of this in college can I deal with? This is ridiculous. Not only are sign-stealing rules dumb to begin with, I'm not, I'm not giving a chance for due process, and he was already suspended once for some stupid NCA violation. That's not even a violation anymore. Whole thing's stupid. Like, college sports has a lot of... I mean, it's, it's fun. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I like watching it. It's just when it comes to this, this kind of stuff, when it comes to off-the-field stuff, when it comes to the behind-the-scenes stuff, the way the rules and all that... It's like, dude, in the NCAA, when it comes to NIL and all this other stuff, they got to get a grip. The NCAA either needs to disband or reorganize or re they need to seriously reevaluate their practices because historically it's been a joke. Historically, it's been a it's it, historically it's been a joke. I, I understand they they. They didn't decide this. The Big Ten jumped the gun and did it anyway. The Big Ten lo looks like a joke, but college sports and the way they're administered is a joke. From the NCAA to the conference level, it's the wild, wild west. We need to have a commissioner that can hold these conferences accountable because they run amok and do whatever they want. We're seeing it with conference realignment. Now, I don't think it's all bad. But, hey, uh, Pac-12, don't put the tennis channel person in charge of your college football negotiations. Kind of hard to feel, to feel bad for you when you do it, when you buy your own leg. It's kind of hard to. 
So this whole Michigan situation, very crappy. Congrats to Michigan for winning that game yesterday, 24-15. Dominated Penn State scoreboard a lot closer than it was. But it's a tough situation. I mean, no one can support the concept of you don't get your due process because of whatever reason. So I don't care who it is. I don't care what the situation is. That's what our country stands for. And that should be applied to any aspects of life and also sports. Especially when someone's integrity is brought into the spotlight. And this whole situation is not good. It's not good. At each level, bad, bad look for the Big Ten. Bad look for everyone. Okay, so that's it for that. Swing it back to wrap up the show with the Chargers. Big game today against the Lions. Can we get it done? Can we can we muster up any of the magic we had against the Jets, against the Bears the last couple of weeks on defense? Or is it all fake? Is it false hope? Is it a mirage? Was it just a dream? It can happen. You daydreaming? Are we all daydreaming? Do we all think the Chargers defense is actually good? Or is it still the crappy defense? Do we just get lucky against bad quarterback play, bad offensive lines? We will find out today. The truth about this team what this team will look like the rest of the year will be on display this afternoon. That's where we need the focus. That's where the focus will be. Can this team capitalize with a capital C on the success they had against the Bears and against the Jets? Can the offensive line step up their game? Will Clapp. Yeah. Not very confident, but he's got to play better. You got to give Justin Herbert time. Because if Justin Herbert continues to get hit and battered like a pinata, how do you expect him to play well? Talking to you, sports media. Quit blaming Justin Herbert. For everything. Because the offensive line for the Chargers sucks. The defense has been horrendous. Those are the two key aspects of this game. Offensive line and the defense. Is the defense improving or is it fake? Can the offensive line improve at all? You gave up zero sacks against the Bears. The Bears suck. Turn around the week after and give up five. You've got to do better than that. So we will find out today. We will find out today. It will be on display this afternoon. And we'll find out. We'll find out if this defense is improving. We will find out if it was all a mirage. We'll find out if that feeling was fake. We will find out. We will find out if we tricked ourselves. It's going to be a roller coaster. 
At the end of the day, I want to win. But if we win the game and it's 39, or 35 or whatever, 42, 35, 38, 35, and the defense is terrible, the defense did not improve. So I'm not going to give the defense credit if we win the game. But if we win the game, the defense plays well, and we blow them out, sure. Then I'll be thrilled. But offensive line and the defense have a lot to prove today. Get it done. Bring that mentality. Bring that passion. Bring that edge that you had against the Jets and the Bears. Apply it today against a really good football team, a team that people consider a top Super Bowl contender. Get it done. All righty. That is it for this edition of Opinions All Day. I will see you guys next time.